I have spent the last few years traveling the world and writing about my favorite elixir, whiskey. This show is all about the brands, the spirits, and the distilleries you know and love. Join us as we share our stories and our words of whiskey. Welcome back. Episode two of Words of Whiskey. I am Josh Hart. Uh, he was so popular the first time. We had to bring him back again. Uh, Jonathan Wingo. Uh, so, Jonathan Wingo, I knew you, and I'm going to go ahead and pension the brands because they're all fine. Um, you're no longer like, like legal terms that you guys can't. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I thought that were, was a judgment on the brand. <laughs> no, no, no. You were brand ambassador with Balvini. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so. Um, dream job. Dream, yeah, dream job. Did that for a while. Uh, for some reason, left there for another dream job, uh, which is to be a cast buyer. Yeah. Um, and to my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, that means you're going around for other groups and you're buying, buying, the, buying either full barrels of spirit yep. or are you buying the actual like cash before it gets done uh the big focus is the spirit um but sometimes that the actual barrel matters uh for what we're what we were trying to do um mainly if we want to use it again um i am a particular nerd about casks so i tried i started in that journey to to look with cooperages that i liked and like their work. Um, but yeah, for that particular job, it was more about getting the liquid and coming up with a, a particular type of bottling. So there's boutique um, shops mm-hmm. who will buy certain, like, is it, so are you buying, are you buying casts from certain distilleries to create a blend? Uh, could be. Yeah, could be. Um, so the, it, the world is independent bottling um, and it's been going on uh, with great success in Scotland for basically as long as the industry, it, it really fueled the industry and to, to a big extent still fuels it today. It's still a biggest part of the production will go into blends. Um, but for some reason in the U S that hasn't translated or hasn't translated in the same way. Um, so that boutique whiskey company, uh, or that boutique drinks company who have, uh, gin, whiskey, rum, probably some others to, to come down, uh, in the future, uh, they wanted to explore independent bottling um, out past what has been traditionally just Scotland. Um, and so I was basically working with a bunch of friends. Uh, I was based here in Texas to look after basically the whole Western hemisphere of any liquid that I found that yeah. I thought would be interesting. What was very different, though, is approaching North American distillers is sourcing here became such uh, a negative connotation. Um, people felt like they were being duped when they would go buy something that had some fancy label on it. And it was, um, can't say many of these without throwing people under the bus, but say it was someone's grandfather's recipe, uh, which it clearly wasn't. It was made in some plant um, and, <laughs> yeah. and they make 30 other brands. Yeah. And no one had a problem with the liquid. They had a problem with how it was being marketed to them. They sure. felt duped. So I had this very bizarre uphill battle when I would approach a distillery of any size and say, hey, we want to bottle your liquid and showcase it around the world. And they're like, no, I, I care about my brand. I care about yeah. everything. And like, we do too. Um, we want to put your name all over it. We just have a different audience. We wanted to, it was based in the UK, but we sold all over the world. So we thought it would be cool to find a crazy small distiller in Iowa or in Oaxaca and then put that on the shelf in Japan or in Australia and have a lot of cross collaboration. That said, this whole thing started with blends, 
We also thought it would be cool to play with blends that weren't necessarily fitting into the categories that did exist. So I'm very excited. One of the biggest projects I worked on is um, New York distillers have banded together to come up with this concept of Empire Rye. Um, it is, as far as I know, it is one of the, the first AOCs since um, Tennessee whiskey, uh, but they are trying to have uh, uh, Empire Rye be a stamp uh, that you can enter into if you're in New York State and they're bringing back heritage methods yep. um, f to, to be released. And there, we got, I think, nine distilleries to participate. And now there's probably 10, 12, 13 that could. But no one's doing a rye blend. That's crazy, <laughs> right? Rye's delicious and yeah. usually talks about a, a certain uh, distillery. So to, to play with that, mainly to showcase this concept that Empire Rye can be in and of itself. It was like being able to play with champagne for the first time. Think about that or, or you know, cognac. Yeah. Um, that was exciting to me. Um, they, uh, it was a good long run. I did that for a year. I would still be doing that today, but they went through a lot of budget constraints yeah. and they basically trimmed all of the fat. Um, <laughs> myself included. Myself yeah. included. Um, and are trying to like, I'm hoping that there's stuff that's coming up uh, down the road, but they're going to still try to do their best to do the releases that we worked on. So I, I want, want to get into this. The best uh, description or the best explanation to someone, because I used to feel like blends were subpar. Sure. But if it wasn't straight malt or single malt, then you've lost your mind. Um, and someone said, hey, you do know in those single malt, they're still taking from different barrels. They're essentially blending yeah. inside of their very own, their own, uh, their own tank to yeah. go through and find what makes this barrel, this this taste unique. Yeah. So he goes, just imagine that in a much bigger playground. Yeah. You can get you can get many different flavors. They're all still great. They're all still good. They're just a blend. Yeah. Um, and so that was like, oh, okay. So blends aren't inherently bad or inherently right. a way to go, hey, give me your bad barrels. You give me your bad barrels and I'll, I'll, I'll try to blend them together and make them pal palatable. Um, they, blends are, in fact, inherently more difficult. Yeah. And usually I think people want to make blends tastier and bring a lot more people sure. to enjoy that. But then think about consistency. Think about something needing to taste one way in 1940 and still today, no matter Same what way. you have yeah. at your disposal. Um, so, on, that, on that note, though, I brought you two, not only <laughs> not blends, but these are both single cask expressions. <laughs> so this could not be, this was more of like what I was getting so into. blends are good. Yeah, uh, blends are amazing. This is nothing like that. Not at all. <laughs> That's not what we're going to be drinking. Yeah. So, but going back to how important a cast are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so cast strength is, I, I love cast strength. You can cast strength is a lot stronger, a lot higher ABV. Uh, and you're going to want to cut that down a little bit. Well, we are seeing, I, I think in general, people are seeing that trend of cash strength. And, and some of that could be, um, I, I have a ton of theories on this. Some of that could be back to that, uh, that idea of being as close to a place as possible, wanting uh, this idea of raw expression. Don't add any water to it. Sure. Let me do that. I get that. Um, also, some of it could be we crave novelty as people. Um, yeah. And if you're drinking stuff at a palatable proof every day, um, maybe sometimes you need that little step up or something different to help keep your palate on track. Okay. So this is the first one? Yeah. So Copper Kings? This is Copper and Kings. Copper so and Kings. Um, this is, this is going to be a bit of an explanation. But so part of that job was to travel around um, and just to find people who are making stuff that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Copper and Kings did the crazy thing to open a distillery in Louisville, Kentucky, and not make whiskey. 
their whole thing is basically anything but whiskey in the shadow of these giants. Yeah. Um, they are having conversations that need to be had. Um, they are, I think, one of the uh, of, of a few intrepid distillers that are just trying to make good juice. Um, they, they have a wonderful uh, array of things on their palate. This happens to be their American brandy, um, which they do some fun blending of different... Um, yeah. different grapes to get to their brandy. Um, but this collaboration is with Peerless Distilling, and Kentucky Peerless is on yeah. the other side of Louisville from them. Um, they're on the – Copper and Kings on the west side. Uh, Cop, uh, Peerless is on the east side. And they make delicious whiskeys. They make rye and uh, a bourbon. So this is their – uh, brandy that's been finished in a uh, peerless cask. So when you smell that, I, yeah. I think you should smell some of those cask characteristics. Um, and to bring this full circle to the cask conversation, the reason that I saw both of these distillers is because they both use Kelvin Cooperage. Kelvin Cooperage is also in Louisville, just outside of town a little bit, um, but it's a second-generation Scottish family that moved the business over here in the 90s to service um, both the American whiskey and yeah. Scotch whiskey industry. So they take a lot of used cask from bourbon because it can only be used once, and then they ship it over. They also make brand-new casks, and they have some wonderful proprietary uh, processes, especially like a toasting process that has put those two together. Everything is... Yeah pretty high proof yeah this is 108 proof which is great but yeah Whew. all right <laughs> oh yeah yeah that little drop to me there uh what i love about this is i i think the brandy hides under that yeah right finish still smooth for uh for the proof level that it oh is. yeah it's still smooth um but i don't get the brandy really until the very yeah, end very 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 finish we are we are going to be running a little bit behind, so we're going to do the other one when we come back okay. after this quick break. Okay. Welcome back, uh, slight studio change. Here we are, episode two, and they're already upgrading studios. Love it. Um, we had to do a quick little like tech change, but we're still in here. Same spirit, same guest, Jonathan Wingo. Thank you for enjoying the phenomenal video about the Cooper Kings brandy. We left off. We were talking about the. Um, the alcohol, the ABV, uh, being high on this. Uh, yeah, and I said, if you're not careful, it'll, it'll get you. Yeah. Um, and so we added, we, I think we added a splash of water to it before we took it to a break. Yeah. It's much, much less aggressive. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it is also, I think when you add the water just on the bouquet, you get, it, the brandy comes out a little bit mm -hmm. more. And that first, when that first pour, to me, it, it sings that rye barrel. You, you yeah. get, um, that, that kind of. For me, it's like a Kelvin Cooperage butterscotchy toast that comes through. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when when you add that water, I'm getting the brandy a lot more. Yep. Well, I still get the peppery rye at the beginning, mm -hmm. but that like sweet bitterness of the grape in the end. Yeah, the, it's an interesting that that rye at the at the front. I think they were a bit surprised. Uh, I want to say this finish was certainly less than a year, but maybe six to nine months. Um, and the brandy's in. I want to say it's like a seven eight year old brandy. Um, so yeah, that, that up front, I think is exclusively from just the rye that was in the cask. That's impressive. Mm. So instead of just sitting on that, um, so again, so copper and Kings is on the, 
uh, west side of Louisville. Yeah. Right next to the brand new shiny soccer stadium. Um, on the east side, um, kind of in the Portland area of Louisville, you have Kentucky Peerless Distilling. And this is a fun multi-generational story. Um, if I'm sure they have a video that would be just doing better service than me. But right now, it is a father-son duo to revitalize one of um, uh, one of the older stories in Kentucky whiskey. Um, and I think a very large producer at the time. It went dormant, and they revitalized it under uh, the same name, but they've moved it to Louisville instead of where it started. Um, they have enjoyed wonderful success. They have a, a great, um, very innovative distiller there. Um, and they obviously care a lot about their their packaging. So yep. it was fun to get them to uh, kind of talk to one another. Um, but what we're about to have is Peerless Distilling Whiskey yep. that has been finished in a Copper and King's absinthe cask. Boy, this, this is the kind of I, stuff that's I going on. I feel very proud of myself because I just did a quick sniff while you were talking. And I was man, that smells like licorice. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting some licorice here. I'm like, you're, uh, I was about to say, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I smell. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I All do right. want to warn you, this is... Uh, you may go blind. Yeah. <laughs> it is 55.6%, which is 111 proof. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they pride themselves on um, their single-cast expressions and doing everything at, at barrel-proof. Um, it is unusual for um, for us to get some Kentucky whiskey at barrel proof. Most of those come, sure. you know, once a year in an exclusive collection, and gone. yeah, and you pay a ton for it. Um, they have adhered to an older style of distilling where they do barrel entry proof much lower. Um, so you'll notice that barrel proof at one eleven is pretty interesting for Kentucky. Typically, you're getting like one twenty, uh, yeah. one thirty, something like that. So it is fun to be able to have access to cast strength whiskey um at this i some people find it very palatable and approachable i like to add water just to bring stuff Cut out through it. but also absinthe is such a high proof spirit because it's holding a whole bunch of uh, of oils and flavors in solution so i think we want to add a little bit of water to help bring some of that out <coughs> So this is this is the same rye It'll barrel get you in the throat. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, definitely start small. I'm gonna add just a wee bit of water. I feel bad. I was leaning forward reading that, and I was just eating this microphone. So <laughs> you're welcome, everyone at home. So again, the the one thing that does bring these two distilleries together. Not only are they in Louisville, but they use the same cooperage, Kelvin cooperage. Yeah. Um, which I think lends. That, that type of cask making is... It's good for harmony. It's great for harmony. It's not cheap. They spend quite a lot on those casks um, because that they, they care quite a bit about their, their barrels. Um, but it's fun when, when two people are like, hey, you know, if, if our spirits work in it, they should probably... We can play together. Hmm. So already adding water, viscosity changes yeah. a ton for me. I get a yeah. lot more of that oil... Um, I, I choked a lot less the second time <laughs> when you had some water to it. Goals. <laughs> Squad goals. Yeah. Got it. Uh, no, you're picking up on more. You're right. The oils, the, the licorice. You know, you're getting a lot more of that flavor in there on that. That is 
that's fascinating. Going back to episode one with the peanut butter, like it's different. That, that peanut butter was kind of like was right there. It was heavy. It was exactly what it is. But you're getting nuances as of each individual thing. But I'm still getting that this is a, you know, a quality spirit. This is great. Yeah, I, I do think that that's a that's a tough line to to dance where you are proud of what your distillery makes. Yeah. You're proud of the things that make the spirit. Um, the, the thumbprint that your spirit and your distillery puts out, but then you also want uh, to be innovative. You want to have a chance to try something new, to push boundaries. Um, so it is, I, I think that's a fine line when you, when you figure out tradition or heritage and then want to play from there. Um, I think this achieves very similar things. If someone wanted to cocktail, yeah. they would have a lot of these flavors that they would then add to come from the cask this way, literally at cask strength is... A fun way to experience it. That is that is fun. And are both of these available in Texas? Can you buy them? You have to go to. Why'd you bring me on the show? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is all this stuff that is fun to get. Um, yeah. These are these were buddies, and they were very generous. Um, I believe uh, this the uh, the Peerless was available at their distillery yeah. um, gift shop, and I don't know how far reaching the Copper and Kings brandy will be. Um, I typically hate when people talk about stuff that you can't get. However, in this case, um, it just <laughs> you can't get, you can't get it. You can't yeah. Yeah. Um, unless you're there. Uh, but for me, it was a, a lot about um, talking about what's going on in the industry today. Sure. Uh, I think it's it's uh, a screwball. Uh, like first episode, um, you know, we we sometimes forget that whiskey has existed in its modern times whenever it's existed, and it's had to. Yep to change and adapt. And um, I, I just love that this is in very old American heritage whiskey, but just kind of pushing some boundaries in a, in a respectable way, I think. Um, this is great. Uh, any questions or comments that you have, please feel free to leave them below. Uh, and again, it is whiskey wingo um, on, on Instagram. So yep. uh, feel free to hop in his DMS. If you have some questions, slide right in, <laughs> slide right in. The water's fine. <laughs> uh, and then ask any questions you have. Uh, anything that you want me to review or talk about, uh, I'm trying to have on more guests to come. And as always, drink responsibly.